Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation comes from the Old Testament reading of Isaiah 66, verses 10 through 14, and serves as the basis of our theme for the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, Peace in Times of Tragedy. Horatio G. Spafford was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago with a lovely family, a wife, Anna, and five children. However, they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871, and in that same year, much of their business was lost in the great Chicago fire. Yet, God in his mercy and kindness allowed the business to flourish once more. On November 21, 1873, the French ocean liner Ville du Havre was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Mrs. Spafford and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business problem. He told his wife he would join her and their children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship. About four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, the Ville du Havre collided with a powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Loch Urn. Suddenly, all those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with Annie, Margaret Lee, Bessie, and Tanetta, and prayed that God would spare them if that could be his will, or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Within approximately 12 minutes, the Ville du Havre slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including the four Spafford children. How would one even begin to comfort Mr. Spafford at the news of this unbelievable tragedy once again in his life. For his friends, this must have indeed been an impossible task. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you have not. Maybe you were the one that experienced the unspeakable tragedy in your life, and people all around you made impossible attempts to comfort you in your time of grief. Maybe you were the one who found yourself alongside the inconsolable one and you realized you were ill-prepared to provide the comfort they required. Maybe you have experienced neither and you pray to God every day that you never will. Today, with our prophecy of Isaiah, God does what no man can do and that is to truly Bring peace in times of tragedy with his comforting words. The capital city of David, Jerusalem, was burning. The Babylonian horde had finally arrived and did what they did to every city that ever lay in their path. They burned the city. 
They took the people into captivity and left an unrebellious remnant behind to tell the tale of their brutal subjugation. To see their beloved capital city's former glory go up in ashes must have been the most epic of insults and despair as they were carried off into a foreign land, many of whom would never come home again. And through their pastor Isaiah, God tells them, Rejoice! Rejoice? How about a good slap upside your head, Isaiah? Don't you see our city burning? Can't you see the sneering soldiers forcing us down this trail of tears all the way to Babylon under the banner of false gods? Don't you know what happens now? We're slaves, at best third-class servants of the gentry. No more eating the way God commanded us. No more worshiping as God instructed us. And no more raising our children to God's glory. What is there to rejoice about already? Have you lost your mind? Maybe even Isaiah, for just a moment, wondered too. No matter how you sliced it, this did not look good for God's people. And yet, God was clear. Rejoice with Jerusalem, be glad for her. All you who love her, rejoice with her in joy. All you who mourn over her. It was a tough funeral I had to do about 15 years ago. Crystal's father had been in a horrific motorcycle accident that cost him his life. Her stepmother was disabled and unable mentally to deal with her father's death. So at the age of 19, she was identifying the body, preparing the funeral, and even paying out of her own money for the funeral costs. Her father was a good man that owned three homes outright and told Crystal each one was there to take care of each of them in retirement for him and her stepmother and college for Crystal. But her stepmother's care was so egregious and because there was no will, her stepmother's family swooped in, took all three houses, sold them, and left for another state. Crystal lost her father, her stepmother, her home, and her paid-for college education all in the same year. I was ashamed that I was so powerless as her pastor to do anything that could make things right. No matter how winsome I was with her stepmother's family, they refused to relinquish the home we all knew deep down belonged to Crystal. I'm here to tell you today that Crystal at 19 was a stronger, better woman than I was at 35, a man and a pastor. Some years later, after she put herself through school and got her master's in nursing, I apologized to her profusely for not being the man and the pastor she needed. She never considered for a moment that I did anything wrong, even though I felt so responsible, and gave me peace like a river when she looked at me with eyes 
years beyond the maturity of anyone else her age, and simply said, It's all good, Pastor. God took care of me, even when no one else could or would. With the wreckage of her life burning in her past, and the tragedy of having to fend for herself at 19 with no one to help, she believed where no one else could see. It would be years later that God's people would see the joy of a homeland newly birthed like a bouncing baby boy. The temple to worship the one true God would be rebuilt with tears in their eyes that while it was not as to the level of the former glory, at least there would be a place for Yahweh to dwell amongst them again. And while they needed to come together to rebuild the unbreachable walls, reconstruct the palace for their kings, and rebuild the homes they once had, they knew they would never have the former glory, and now they finally understood why. They were never supposed to have that glory for themselves. That was supposed to belong to God, and that was why they lost it in the first place. A sailor rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of the wreckage. It was Anna, still alive. He pulled her into the boat and they were picked up by another large vessel which nine days later landed them in Cardiff, Wales. From there she wired her husband a message which began, Saved alone! What shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed that telegram and placed it in his office. Another of the ship's survivors, Pastor Weiss, later recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters. Now they've been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. Mr. Spafford booked passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Spafford to his cabin and told him they were over the place where his children went down. According to Bertha Spafford Vester, a daughter born after the tragedy, Spafford wrote, When peace like a river while on this journey. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. When we consider each and every tragedy we have ever had to endure, we can remember the ultimate tragedy that our Heavenly Father endured for us, watching his only begotten Son drown on the cross from the fluid of his own lungs. 
That sacrifice is what made everything well with every living soul forever. Because we know that in the midst of every tragedy, no matter the pain, ultimately it is well with our soul. Then we can understand, just like the Judeans finally did, when God told them through the prophet Isaiah, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. Anna gave birth to three more children, one of which died at the age of four with dreaded pneumonia. In August 1881, the Spaffords moved to Jerusalem. Mr. Spafford died and is buried in that city. He finally had the fulfillment of his peace in the midst of his tragedy. Amen. Now may that peace, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus always. Amen.